Welcome back, everybody. It's again with God Time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to have the 400-point question for our quiz, and Lawson's about to bring it to you. All right, 400 points. What did Jesus tell his disciples to do to the people who cursed them? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 400 points, you can win yourself a book from our selection of bargain books. We can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. Again, that question is, what did Jesus tell his disciples um, to do to people who cursed them? All right. If you know the answer, number to call 0491-064-669. Let's see what you had to say this morning about the first half of the show. And, of course, we love to hear from our listeners, so please please do text through with your Mm -hmm. thoughts and your comments. The first one says, the clip-on facade for buildings. Reminds me in Russia when they had a king and he visited uh, towns, through towns, they would do the same thing to make the buildings uh, look pretty so that the king or czar would think all the people were doing well. Which was <laughs> so it's a propaganda thing. No, I think I think it was just sort of a, because they're clip on. Uh-huh. It was reminding him of uh, something that they used to do, and this is yeah, it was pretty sad. And of course, you know the way the this, the the czars were protected from the normal population mm. ended with the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, the worship on a plane. What a great idea! Singing is not really. A worship service per se is just singing Christian songs. I think it would be great to hear music from any religious singing group, especially in this case, considering the pain happening in the Ukraine. From what you said, it was 100% approved by all the customers Mm -hmm. and staff. Mm -hmm. Talking talking about the truth being stretched, but I suppose that's human nature. And I think so too, because when I first saw the clip, all I saw was the 18-second clip. Yeah. There was no context. There was no explanation, and I sort of thought, oof, oof, oof. Somebody's just grabbed a guitar, stood up. They've got a church group there, and they all started singing together. It could potentially be, like, the cringiest thing ever. It could be the cringiest. That was what I thought. Like, I could imagine the situation where it's just crickets, and people are just, like, confused, and they're just, like... Like, the, the, um, the... Oh, what are the people called? The flight attendants are just like kind of freaking out. Like, what do we do? Like, I don't know. Like, but it wasn't that at all. No. Praise the Lord. Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And that's Lord. why I wanted to give that story a bit of context because I saw the story yesterday because, you know, I didn't see it earlier than that because we were obviously off for Easter break. Saw the story yesterday and I wanted to give it a bit of context because when I first saw it, that was what I felt was like, this is, this is super dodge. But then when I read the context, I'm like, okay, this was actually full on legit and that's pretty awesome. And I'm super bummed I wasn't there because I would have joined in with the singing. All right. Let's continue on. Yeah. Uh, there is. There is a saying, if you are depressed, you're living in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. If you're at peace, you're living in the present. Wow. That was, that was uh, by Lao Tzu. Mm-hmm. Was, was he Sun, Sun Tzu's cousin? I don't know. One, one was writing about like war tactics and the other was writing like feel-good affirmations. <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. Uh, but it's a fantastic it's a fantastic quote and you know that's what Jesus says you know mm. don't stress about the past don't stress about the future for su- sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof mm. worry about the things you're going to worry about today don't worry about the things of the past or the future mm. uh, you cannot uh, worry about only those things that you can actually change or have an effect on mm. speaking of which 
Let's go to Genesis chapter 6 and let's see what the Bible has to say. Uh-huh. Kind of speculating on the past this morning. We yes. have been looking at Genesis. Yes. Looking at all the, the things that took place in the past. And reading a story about somebody who knew what was going to take place in the future. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's go. So this is somebody who could think about the future because he knew what the future was going to be. Mm-hmm. All right, let's. Uh, I think we got down to verse 5 yesterday, so let's uh, pick up where we left off and let's read the next three verses. We're in Genesis chapter 6. Yes. And in verse 6, the Bible says, So the Lord was very sorry that he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. All the people and the large animals and the small animals that scurry along the ground and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry that I ever made them. But Noah found favor in the Lord. Okay, mine says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, which is a fantastic passage right there. And so there's a couple of different things that sort of come into this uh, story right here. Basically, you know, we talk about the Great Reset. Mm -hmm. This was the greatest reset I ever saw. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Uh, why do you think God did this? Why why go down this particular path? I mean, it's pretty extreme. Yeah, well, essentially, like, as has been expressed by God, well, by the Bible, uh, the thoughts of men are continually and always evil all the time. Okay. And violence so, so this is what, this is This is what we covered yesterday, was that... You've got an entire generation of people here outside of Noah and his family who've committed the unpardonable sin. Mm-hmm. And so their lives would be abject misery. Mm. And there's nothing that God can do about it because it's impossible for him to reach them. Mm. So that's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. And what they're dealing with is just horrible lives. Mm-hmm. These are people who are suffering and... Uh, there's nothing that God can do to alleviate that suffering because, you know, as we talked about yesterday, there are three conditions of man in relationship to the Holy Spirit. There are men, or sorry, humans who are filled with the Holy Spirit. There are humans who are influenced by the Holy Spirit and there are humans who are cut off from the Holy Spirit. And the majority of our world is either filled with the Holy Spirit or influenced by the Holy Spirit. It's rare that we see people that are cut off from the Holy Spirit. And of course, that's nothing, something that we can never judge anyway. Mm. Here you've got a situation where the entire world is cut off mm-hmm. from the Holy Spirit. What's God going to do? You know, when when we have a creature that is in pain and that is suffering and there is nothing we can do to alleviate that pain and suffering, what do we do? Yeah, well, ultimately these people have chosen death. Yes. Like in the realest sense, like whether it's brought on by a flood or by their lives naturally ending, which at this time... Um, took a, a fair while uh, for their lives to naturally end. You know, they lived for a long time. Um, whether whether it's either one of those situations, they have chosen death. So, like, what more can God do for them? And ultimately, God is working a situation here that is going along with their choice. It's like they've chosen to die. I'm giving them a situation where they will die. Um, but, you know, as he says, as it says here in verse 8, but Noah found favor in the Lord. God sees an opportunity and the potential to, to start something new. Because ultimately, um, an entirety of a population that has rejected the Holy Spirit and has chosen death will ultimately die. Like, what we're looking at here is the potential extinction of the human race anyway. 
And so it's like, oh, all these people are just going to kill each other and die. Like, at least I can bring something good from it. And if God was to continue and God was to do nothing, then the knowledge of God would be wiped out from the earth. That would give Satan full control over the earth. As you said, they would Mm -hmm. all then be killed and destroyed and die. Mm -hmm. It would eliminate the opportunity for Jesus to come and for God to demonstrate his love and for God to actually save those righteous people who had died already. Mm. Um, There is nothing here that... um, you know that that God can do. Uh, coming through here on the text messages is there was no other path available. God could not reach them, for they had rejected the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And another text message: If God was allowed to continue, they would have all killed each other, and so it would have been gross injustice for God to have. Um, it would have been gross injustice for God to have done nothing and just let human beings come to an end. It would have been gross injustice against Adam and Eve and the descendants who had died under the promise of the resurrection because it would have resulted in them all being lost. Mm. I have a question for you, Lyle. Is God intercepting them? Because we've been we've been talking about this a, a bit on, on radio recently. Is God essentially just like, yeah, we, we know from a spiritual perspective, like, oh, and a literal perspective by the description of their, their actions, like the direction that they're going. But is God intercepting them with like euthanasia to further his plans? Yeah, so this is an interesting thought, which we probably should is talk about justification? in just a moment. Is there justification? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And of course, the answer is yes. Uh huh. Because this is God. Uh huh. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. Only God gets to decide when a person's salvation is over. Only God gets to decide when a when, when uh, a, a, a person has a, their probation has closed. We don't get to decide that uh, because we cannot read the human mind, and only God can read the human mind. Mm. Yeah, because I'm I'm like in to like well the first question is like is this God like aborting them from existence and I would say the answer is no because they've made the consensual choice so this can't yeah. be like this can't be you know put up against like abortion that you know God is is wiping them out because like a child who is unborn can't consent to wanting to die um, it should have the right to live um, so then it falls into the category of like euthanasia right which is where someone consensually says I want to be killed. Um, but yeah, as you've said, I guess God is in the position where he can judge fairly and correctly and ultimately, yeah, he knows. Yeah, it's interesting here, um, somebody just takes through Noah and his family was the only option for the survival of humanity in this world and that's absolutely true. And the question that sort of goes through my mind is this, okay, it's it's taken uh, nearly 2,000 years for the world to reach this particular point mm. uh, where God is going to have to reset, else the knowledge of God is going to be wiped out from the face of the earth. Um, our world has been around for over 4,000 years since then, why hasn't our world reached that point again? Mm. Why is it taken? What 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 is the difference this time around? Hmm, that's a good question. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Give us a call or shoot us a text message zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. If humanity reached this point, mm-hmm. 
in 1,700-odd years from the time of creation to the time of the flood, why has humanity not reached that point in the 4,500 years since? Uh, because, oh, I, I, I have no idea, Lyle. Okay, so I'm going I'm to toss out some thoughts. Okay, I'm toss okay. Out some thoughts. So the Bible says that God's, God made, uh, after this point, let me just see if I can find this first. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, I'm just going to look this up. So, uh, it is, let me think. Cause, cause I would say like, oh, well maybe because of the dispersion of population, like, everyone wasn't concentrated in one area because like what follows this story, and I'm sure we'll cover it as we're studying through the book of Genesis is the tower of Babel. Um, yeah, there's this dispersion of population that takes place. And then there isn't the ability for the whole world to come to agreement that they just want to rebel against God. There isn't that influence that we saw and talked about yesterday, you know, the daughters of, uh, the daughters of man marrying the sons of God and everyone just ultimately being aligned in rebelling against God, except for Noah and his family. I guess they, they don't have that opportunity when everyone's dispersed all over the earth after the flood. So, Psalms 19 and verse 10. Okay, what does it say? The Bible says the days of our years are 70. Uh-huh. And if by reason of strength they be 80, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it soon it is soon cut off and we fly away. Mm-hmm. So why is it that God reduced our lifespan? And here's my thoughts. You've got humanity. Humanity is very close to perfection. Uh, Humanity is capable of living for nearly a thousand years. We, in you know, six thousand years from perfection, we are very, very damaged. Our DNA is damaged. Our genes are damaged. That we have so much. We carry so much damage with us everywhere that we go. Uh, Our life has been reduced to just seventy years, which Mm -hmm. is just a fraction of what what it used to be. Uh, An incredibly short lifespan. And our mental capacity is massively, massively reduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a, fr- a brain that is probably only a quarter of the size of the original brain that we used to have, you know, back in those days, um, and a much less computing power. But let's say that you live for a thousand years, and let's say that you have photographic memory, and let's say that everything you learn just stays there and is easily recalled. Imagine how much you can learn. Imagine what computing power there is in your brain. And imagine what you can accomplish over a 1,000-year period. Mm. And so human beings back then were able to go so far in the area of knowledge and accomplishment that when they turned away from God, they were able to go so far from God that... You know, it, it brought about this situation where God's like, okay, I have to do a reset. And what you find is that when God does the reset at the flood, the first thing he does after the flood is shorten human beings' lifespan mm-hmm. dramatically, dramatically shorten their lifespan. And I believe that's what's actually slowed the growth of information that has slowed our rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. So God has slowed it down because he's like, look, I need to have time for the great controversy to work out. I need to have 6,000 years so that we can have 6,000 years of sin on record so that it never comes back again. We need this period of time. Mm. How can I have this period of time without having to have a reset every 1,700 years or so? Mm -hmm. And uh, the way that God allows that to happen or the way that God makes that so that it can happen is by slowing the spread of knowledge by shortening our lifespan wow. and by reducing our computing power in our brain. 
Well, also because of our shortened lifespan, like that means that generations happen quite quickly, right? And there's less overlap of generations. Yes. Like I think the maximum overlap of generations can be like five. And then past that point, it's like, yeah, that's right. It's impossible. Um, but then, like we see, just over the last hundred years, the way that, like, because there are so many generations in such a short life, uh, uh, such a short span of time, and the amount of people that kind of filter in and out because of that, um, ultimately, like, culture changes all the time and is always dynamic and and moving in the sense that it's kind of you've got people of different opinions all over the place so the, the point that i'm trying to make is that yeah i guess because yeah because of the shortened lifespan like they can't be unified in hatred towards god like it so seems as though if, if sin permits for that long it, that's the ultimate result so here's another interesting point you can do the calculations on this not a hard calculations to do but let's say that a family has a child every year of their childbearing age and let's say that they live for a thousand years do those calculations in five generations you've got <laughs> 720 million people on the earth in five generations. Wow. Starting from two. Wow. That's potentially. We don't know whether they only had, you know, two or three kids each, but potentially they could have families of that size. And we know they had large families because they were founding cities. Cain was founding cities. Mm-hmm. So these are very large families that are existing at this particular time. And so when you think about it from that perspective, not only do you have a, the possibility of a lot of people with long lifespans, but when you've got a lot of people, different people are going to learn different things. That information can be shared. There's a massive growth of information. That information can be used against God Mm -hmm. and was used against God. And so by shortening men's lifespan, God, what he does is he limits and he drastically slows the population growth of the earth. Now, population growth forms a J-curve, Mm-hmm. And it's only in the last 100 years that we've seen that J-curve go up. That's right. It's been very, very gradual incline. But with all J-curves, that's the nature of them. They, they, they go up very, very rapidly. And it's been in the last 100 years that we've, we've seen that happen. And so now we have lots of people in the world that are accumulating lots of knowledge. But not only that, while we don't have photographic memory, we actually do. Sure. You've grown up with it. Yeah, and so you don't. I've got a couple. I've got a couple different ones in front of me. I've got you know one that's. Well, I've got two that are touchscreen. One touchscreen, one that's bigger, one that's smaller, and then one that has a keyboard. Exactly. So we have. So think about this. When when I was your age, and somebody asked me a question, nine times out of ten, I'd probably say I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas you've never had that experience. I know everything. Yeah. Because (laughs) it's all in your pocket. Uh huh. And you get asked a question, wow. you, you mm. pull it out of your pocket, and all of that information is instantly available. I mean, how many times have you been sitting in a sermon and the, and the pastor says something in the sermon and it's like, oh, I've never heard that before, and you Google it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. How often have Fact we had check. a situation where you know somebody sent through a text message and I'm like, oh, I'm not sure about that. We do a quick fact check and it's like it might be, you know, sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have that information at our fingertips, which when I was your age was completely unavailable. Mm-hmm. You would just simply say, well, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, that information technology has gone on a very steep J-curve as well. The other thing that is now taking over is, of course, artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence lasts for not just the lifetime of an antediluvian, Mm -hmm. but it is immortal. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a person, but it's immortal. Mm. And so we have now reached the point where we can replicate 
for the very first time in history, the conditions of the antediluvian world. Wow. We have never been there since the antediluvians. We are back there right now. Mm. That's got to tell you something about the return of Jesus Christ because last time we were at this point, God flooded the world and he did a big reset. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show. Time for the big one. All right, for 500 points. What army was Gideon preparing to battle against when he saw 22,000 warriors, more than a third of his army, desert uh, when given the chance? Um, yes. Yeah, so what, what's the name of the enemy army? There are three. Well, no, there's, there's only one answer here. Yeah, but there are three. There was a coalition. But there's one answer here. 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. Our 500 point prize today is the book Chosen Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, and it's covering a lot of the information that we're covering right now. We're, we're looking all at, you know, what was taking place at this time and, and how, what the implications are for us as well. This book is by Jack J. Blanco, and you can get it absolutely for free, provided you know which army um, Gideon was preparing to battle um, when his 22,000 soldiers just up and left. They were just like, oh, we don't want to be here anymore. Goodbye. And they left. All right, let's go back to our Bible study. And we were, you know, just ch- chatting off air about some of the uh, other aspects about you know, where we are in history as a human race uh-huh. and how that you have, you know, genetic degradation that goes through all species and uh, all species at some point need to reset and mm-hmm. will reset. And, you know, you can look at mice, for instance, which will breed like every six weeks or something or other. I don't know how often, but uh, incredibly rapidly. And so their reset time is, you know, fairly close together. But for human beings, that reset time is about four, four and a half thousand years. And we're what, about there. What happens on that reset like so every because i think you said with the amount you get a population explosion followed by a population reduction Uh uh-huh um so a massive population reduction so something comes through and wipes out the vast majority of the population Uh you have Uh a massive die-off event a a, a killing a kill event um and then you will have uh the survivors from that that then will repopulate and you know it's not going to solve the genetic problems that our world has, but apparently it's, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it, I guess it's the point that we're making is that we're heading that direction. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we're heading, that, we're heading that direction at the same time as we are heading in the direction of repeating the conditions of the world artificially this time around mm-hmm. that the world had at the time of the flood. Oh, so true. We are back there. Uh-huh. And we need to recognize that we are back there. We now have artificial intelligence is now immortal. Which, by the way, uh, the the Bible says um, in Matthew chapter 24, as the days of Noah were, so, so shall be. So shall it also be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's right. So we can see clearly that those conditions come and get. But I, I really love that point. Like information is now immortal. Yes. Um, well, not just information, but artificial intelligence because information can now learn information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because well, well, the interesting thing about like uh, artificial intelligence, people like believe in, you know, the whole like singularity and like, you know, if you watch the movie Terminator or something like that, that it's going to 
turn on us or something. It's going to grow a brain. Um, I, I don't think that's actually what's going to take place because I, I, I don't actually believe that artificial intelligence has the capacity to do that. But it does have the capacity to learn things. That's right. And so, as yeah. it, and, and it can learn much faster than a human being. And so, we can produce so much more information in such a short That's right. of time. That's ultimately what it, what it can do is produce information. And the other thing that mm. you, you combine artificial intelligence with um, information technology, so that information is produced and then it's accessible. Mm-hmm. And so, what it does is, information wise, we're living for a thousand years right now. Mm. There's a thousand years of information that you have in your pocket right now. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, Because, I mean, you've got all of the information of the last 10 years of research right across the world that's in your pocket right now. That's easily worth a thousand years of information gathering. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would say even even more even, so. Even more so. Even more so. Yeah. Sobering, very, very sobering stuff. We need to be right where Noah was in verse 8 where the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Because we can look at all the complexities and the amazingness of the information technology, the artificial intelligence that is surrounding us right mm-hmm. now. But the simple fact that salvation is found by grace in Jesus Christ has never changed. Wow, that is such a good point. Like our lives, like, well, I guess the basic needs and necessities of a human have always stayed the same, right? Yes. It's like, you know, necessity to eat food and, yes. you know, pass on genetic material, all these kinds of things. Um, but the conditions in which that takes place has changed drastically. Yes. This is what we see, like, versus, well, let's look at, like, the previous 4,000 years up a, up until 200 years ago where, you know, most people were subsistence farmers and they, whatever it may be, versus, like, just the last 200 years and, and what's taking place with information, technology, all these kinds of things. Um, but, yeah, the reality is, is that although those conditions have changed and what that's created is all kinds of differences in what we see happening in, in politics and in the economy and, and, and whatnot, ultimately... We still need Christ. That's right. And none of it can do away with, with our need for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and that's where, where Noah's at. Like, he's in the exact same position. You have the conditions have changed drastically on the earth from the Garden of Eden um, that, you know, people now die, but also um, that people are now consistently rebelling against God and are evil. Um, and Noah has a choice to make. He can either be one of those people or he... Isn't and people are God. determined to be evil. Mm-hmm. It's the the thing that we find in our world that evil is celebrated, and people are determined to be as evil as they can. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's read uh, verse nine. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What does verse nine say? This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at that time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Okay, my Bible says here that these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, that's a challenge for each one of us Mm -hmm. because we live in a crazy world right now, um, and in our crazy world we are able to walk with God and walk perfectly with God, Mm -hmm. the Bible says. All right, goes on here in verse 10, and Noah gave birth to three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Okay, so this is an interesting verse. It sort of asks, it makes you ask the question, you know, uh, so why just these three sons? Was this the only family that Noah had? Potentially, I, I don't know. Does it, does it stipulate that he had more sons? Does it say? Does it denote? You, you kind of wonder. Mm. I mean, these were the sons that were born just before the flood. Mm. Were, was there more family that was lost? Mm. 
I mean, Noah's like 600 years old when he has these sons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else that is mentioned in the genealogy is starting their families in their early 100s or earlier. Mm. Did Noah wait this long to have children or did he have a whole family and he just had these three sons that were born just before the flood and these three sons were saved? Yeah, these are the only ones that accepted and followed. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. Sure. Mm. Okay. And then, of course, we come to verse 11 where the Bible says the earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Why don't you read it in your translation? Verse 11, verse 12, verse 13. It says, Now God saw that the earth had been, it had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on the earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I'll wipe them from the face of the earth. Okay. So um, not hard to see a parallel with our world right there. Mm-hmm. Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah. And so God decides, I'm going to destroy all flesh. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a massive reset. Verse 14, is there hope for the righteous? Yeah, it says, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out, then construct decks and stalls throughout the interior. Okay, so this is going to be our subject for tomorrow. We're going to Mm -hmm. talk about the actual ark. We're going to talk about its size. We're going to talk about its stability. We're going to talk about its design. It's going to be amazing. Um, So do tune in and join us tomorrow. I'm going to geek out on all (laughs) the green stuff. (laughs) It's just going to be the best. So You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is time for question of the day. Before we have question of the day, we have answers to the quiz questions. Awesome. That's right. For 100 points, the answer was easy. For 200 points, the answer was locust and honey. For 300 points, the answer is blasphemy. For 400 points, the answer was bless them. And for 500 points, the answer was the Midianites. That's who Gideon was fighting against. But right now it is time for question of the day. So we're going to be continuing on with a question that I asked yesterday that's ultimately about, you know, the second death, choosing to sin, curses, all this stuff, but particularly addressing Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. Yes. Okay. Hebrews 10, 26, what does it say? It says if we can... Okay, you want me to read it for you, don't you? Well, I... I thought you had it there in the question. Anyway, Hebrews 26, 10, 26 says, For if we sin willfully after we have received knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Mm. Now, that's an interesting verse because a lot of people read that and say, Well, uh, when I learn what sin is, if I do a sin that I know is a sin, therefore there is no sacrifice, therefore I am lost. We have all done that, therefore we are all lost. That would be a wrong conclusion to come to because the question we would immediately ask ourselves in the context of what we've been studying in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 is did Adam know that he was sinning when he sinned? Mm. Absolutely he did. Mm-hmm. He knew he, he exactly knew that he was sinning and yet he found grace. He found he, God came at that moment and established the covenant with Adam that the Messiah would come and provide forgiveness for sins. And so it would be a wrong conclusion to say that the moment that we sin, doing a sin that we know to be a sin, uh, there is no forgiveness. Now, why does Paul say that? Paul says this because in the sin offering of the Old Testament, of course, there was no provision for what was called a, or what we might call a known sin. 
there was only a sin offering that was ever provided for sins of ignorance. So if you if you did a particular sin, you did not know it was a sin, you later found out it was a sin, then you would bring a sin offering. Now that sin offering symbolized what God did with all sin. Mm. But it would have been ridiculous and corrupt and a really terrible system if God had provided a sin offering for known sin. Because if you think about it, that's just a system of indulgences. I can indulge myself in this sin because I can afford to. Wealthy people would be able to indulge themselves more in sin than poor people because they had more sheep. Mm-hmm. If you had an enemy that you wanted to go and murder, you've got permission to go and you're fine to go and murder that enemy if you've got a spare sheep. It's all it's going to cost you is a spare sheep. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is why God never, ever, ever provided a sacrifice for sins that you knew were sins. This is why in the book of Psalms you find that David says, when David, because Psalms chapter 51, sorry, um, let me go over there very quickly, Psalms 51, this is the psalm of David's repentance for when he sinned by essentially raping Bathsheba and murdering her husband, which is a horrific sin. And he says, uh, let me see here in verse 16, for you do not desire sacrifice, else I would give it. There's no sacrifice that David can bring for that particular sin because he knew it was a sin. He went in with his eyes open knowing it was a sin. And a lot of people freak out at this particular point because they say, I've done a lot of sins that I know are wrong. I know they are sins. I've gone ahead and done them anyway. And does that mean that there is no forgiveness available? No, it does not mean that there is no forgiveness available. It simply means that in the Old Testament, there was no sacrifice available. Where is forgiveness found? You find it here in verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And so somebody who committed a known sin in the Old Testament received forgiveness in the same way that we receive forgiveness today, by repentance, confession, and the forgiveness that God extends to us. Mm. There is no other way that a person receives forgiveness for their sins. Okay, so if we go back over to Hebrews, and some people are going to say, yeah, but you haven't read the full context of that. It does go further than that. It certainly does, because it goes on to talk about the unpardonable sin, which is what we have been talking about all morning this morning, as we have been discussing the uh, what, what happened to the antediluvian world. And when it goes on to talk about the unpardonable sin, it talks about those who have driven the Holy Spirit away out of their lives, and the Holy Spirit is no longer able to reach them. Uh, in verse 29 it says, And of how much sore a punishment suppose we are that thought worthy, who has trodden underfoot the Son of God, and has counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and has despised the Spirit of grace. And so here when the Bible speaks about those who have despised the Holy Spirit, that is the sin against the Holy Spirit. That is the unpardonable sin because that is where we reach the point that we no longer have a conscience. There is no way that God can reach us to bring us to repentance. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith today, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By His counsel's God of Sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. God be with you till we meet again.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.